every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello, and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Daniel Incandela, CMO at ReachDesk. ReachDesk enables companies to deliver moments that matter at scale, globally throughout the entire customer lifecycle. Daniel has more than 20 years of digital and marketing industry leadership experience and has led creative teams across multiple industries, which has earned him industry awards and designation on the prestigious Indianapolis Business Journal's 40 Under 40 list. In this episode, Daniel shares his insights on the role of authenticity in marketing, moments that matter at scale, and how company values tie into marketing. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Demand Gen Visionaries is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified is the pipeline generation platform for revenue teams that use Salesforce. You can intelligently grow your pipeline by understanding the signals of buying intent and having real-time conversations right on your website. Learn more at qualified.com. That's qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Daniel and Candela and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today I'm joined by an old pal and a, and a great guest. Daniel, how are you? Hey, Ian. It's great to be back. Good to see you. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, excited to hear about ReachDesk and get some special Daniel insights here from your background and beyond. So let's get into it today. Tell us a little bit about who ReachDesk is and who are your customers. Sure. ReachDesk is a global gifting platform. A lot of people in our space will refer to that as direct mail, but we market and sell the act of gift giving, which is about as good as it gets. And it's something that's prevalent in every culture on this planet. It's a meaningful experience for human beings. And so we make that possible, whether it's e-gifts, we have our own marketplace where you can ship across the world quickly, targeted and with simplicity. And so that's that's what we do. And we have a diverse set of buyers, predominantly on the go-to-market side. So marketers will buy our product tied to direct mail or account-based marketing. Sales will use it as part of their sales cycle and talking to future customers. And then customer success teams will use it for renewals or anniversaries or, or special occasions to take care of customers. And, and we're also seeing it happen more and more internally where companies are starting to take much better care of their employees, which is exciting to see as well. Let's get to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? This is where you can go and feel honest and trusted and share those deepest, darkest demand gen secrets. Starting off as a CMO, how do you think about demand? Gosh, secret around demand gen. My approach has always been it's not just about demand gen. For me, it, it has to take into consideration all aspects of marketing, certainly the brand building or brand awareness part of things and factoring into that. 
And then something I've said my entire career is really great marketing comes down to really great storytelling. And if you're telling a good story, it becomes less about demand gen tactics. It becomes more about connecting with someone. And once you connect with them, a whole world of possibilities open. And so that, that's been my approach. Obviously, I'm measured on a number. I keep my job based on a number, and I have to hit that number. So I'm happy to talk more deeply about some of those specific tactics. But I want to take a step back first and say marketing is much more than just a man gem. Indeed. We'll, we'll get into those tactics here in a little bit. So for ReachDesk, for your customers, how is it bought? Do you have a buying committee? Do you have a, a product-led growth motion? What are we looking at for ReachDesk? It follows the, the format of traditional B2B companies. You know, on the marketing side, we are tracking performance on the inbound interest we get, as well as how we go outbound based on our ICP and TAM. And, you know, marketing does a lot of the, the legwork to then hand it off to our sales team, and then they take care of the rest. So our buying committee we, is traditionally to level or above within marketing or sales that is making the decision. But along the way, like most software, there are numerous touch points and interactions with numerous people where we have to have our story right and treat them in the best possible way. And how do you structure your marketing team to go to market? So we're a Series B company with the smallest marketing team I've ever had. So it is built around what is critical to support the business. And for me, marketing always comes down to three things. One is demand gen. How do we generate enough pipeline? What, the second one is how do we build a strong competitive brand? And then the third is how do we contribute to a winning culture? And, and the culture part is always important to me because it, it can carry and lift the team. And it, it equals a bump in, in metrics that's hard to quantify, but I've seen it and I've lived it. So the team is structured in that we have a team focused on revenue. That is everything from optimizing the performance of website and inbound to how we're spending money on digital media, to how we're thinking about content that will be engaging. We have product marketing, and then we have a group focused on taking care of the customer. And then in between myself and the VP of revenue marketing, jump in to, to handle the more strategic things for the company that pop up. Marketing is always at the center of things, which is an absolute honor, but it also means that it's not always a, a marketing job you're doing. And what are the size accounts that typically you all are going after? Uh, it's all over the board. We're starting to see more and more enterprise accounts come in, which for a, a smallish company that's been around two and a half years is a wonderful sign. We do SMB and a, a bulk of it has been mid-market, but we are growing quickly and in, in fast-paced and high-growth environments. The company reinvents itself six months to adapt and we're certainly living that right now, but all the signs are really promising, especially on, on the type of accounts we're tracking. All right, let's dig into some of these tactics and go to our next segment, the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. This is where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items? I know it's early. I know you haven't been there super long and it's Series B company, but what are you seeing as your, when you came into the role as your uncuttables? Absolutely. I'll talk about it in three buckets. One is like, how do we spend money? 
Second, not surprisingly, is gifting. And then third is, is inbound. All modern marketers are focused on account-based marketing in some way or tiering of accounts that they focus on. We're no different, and we rely heavily on data, our ICP, TAM, and then key verticals that we're looking at. And so whether it's PPC, display ads, content syndication, whatever it is you want to lump into that bucket, that is critical to us because, one, it ties back to ABM. Two, it can drive to specific landing pages or get a demo, which is big for us. It's the traditional approach to B2B. But I'd say more importantly for us as an emerging company, a company that was formed in England and now is um, seeing more and more traction in the U.S., it also helps on the brand awareness and brand sentiment side of things. And so for me, that is something we can't touch. One is going to contribute a lot of pipeline. But secondly, it's my responsibility to drive this company forward, especially on the brand side. Second one, gifting which a lot of people refer to as direct mail. ReachDesk is my fourth CMO role. And in each of my previous roles, direct mail as a channel has been the highest performing and highest ROI channel. And so for me, that is untouchable, especially now working for a gifting company. It's how we do business. And our company vision is that every business is loved by the customer's employee and the planet. And so a part of this is how do we treat people? And two of our great values that I love for this company are deliver happiness and treat people like people. So gifting in itself ties back to the DNA of this company, our company values, our vision, how we treat one another, but more importantly, how we treat our customers. Not to mention it is that nice little touch, what we say, deliver moments that matter where you can help build a stronger connection to a human being. And ultimately, B2B is about connecting with humans. And so it works. It works on the prospecting side. It works on the customer side when it comes to renewals, because ultimately, we want people associated with us to feel special. And gifting does that. Last one I'll touch on is inbound. And inbound, I describe as anything coming into the website. And my approach since the beginning, especially because I had a background in digital, is that the company's website should be treated by marketing as its own product. And so if we're not testing, optimizing every part of the website, we're really doing a disservice to the company to reach desk. And so anything we can do to ensure that we're driving more and more traffic and and demand through our key landing pages or or CTAs is what we're going to do. And ultimately, inbound like that is going to be a very low-cost exercise for us. It's essentially strategy in human beings tied to content. I love the idea that that marketing is about delivering happiness. Obviously, your product delivers happiness. Of course, that's why it's a key, key company uh, value there. But I love the idea that marketing is, is doing that because I think so often it's very product and services, right? It's very features and benefits and not so much about delivering that moment that matters to someone. And I think that it's it's a really cool way of thinking about that. You know, more often you'd probably maybe identify that as sales that would deliver a moment that matters to someone. Obviously they're closing the deal and it's cool to think about it that marketing would be doing that. Yeah, it's a great thing to be part of. You talked about driving traffic to 
your key pages to drive traffic to the key parts of your website. How important is your website? You touched on it a little bit. It's everything. I think early in my career, it was described as the company's brochure, which I'm sure youngsters now would not even really understand what that means. But it is the gateway into understanding who we are as a company, whether you know, you're interested in a product or service, or you're applying for a job or just want to learn more about us. So to me, it touches all of the things. It, it represents what we're trying to do in terms of selling. It is a, a sneak peek into the company's culture and how we behave. And then finally, it's also a way of just getting to know the company more and potentially attracting the best talent. And, and those are all things that marketing should be thinking about. I also believe that the website is so fundamentally important when you're trying to build a brand, which you're trying to do. We're a young company. And certainly in this day and age where I believe the employees are in the driver's seat when it comes to their careers, attracting the very best talent. Because for us to scale the way we want to and hit our vision, we've got to have great people. It's all about the people. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're looking for a great place to go, go to Reach Desk and figure out a way to get onto, onto Daniel's team because uh, he's great. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. So you mentioned that it's your fourth time being a CMO. Gifting was always the most high ROI thing. Why isn't this more common knowledge? Because I feel like when we talk to people about gifting, that at a minimum, people talk about how it's ROI positive. But it doesn't feel as common everywhere. You see elite marketing teams doing it for sure, or, or sales teams or customer success teams. So why isn't this more commonplace? I think you touched on it. It is commonplace. I think it's an unspoken thing. And I look at the growth of, of ReachDesk, and that says it all to me. And then you look at the competitors in our space. There are some formidable companies that are focused on gifting. And so it is becoming its own, its own market in itself. We're, we're going from it being more of a feature to an actual category, in my opinion. But I think it, it dates back to the early days of direct mail and that it is such a clunky annoying thing to do. It's often some poor marketer that has pulled a list and then is organizing things from a closet to pack it up themselves. And then they have to find time after work to go to somewhere to ship it. And then you hope for the best. And there are companies still doing that. But in this day and age, it's totally changed. ReachDesk, you know, we have a dedicated platform for it. When you, you say send- companies are doing it today, I literally did that on Friday. I went and I sent, I personally went and sent a bunch of t-shirts to Caspian employees this Friday. Which is wonderful. I mean, your employees are going to love that. And I'm sure it felt good to be doing something around giving, but I'm sure you would love to not have to deal with all the, the tedious activity that goes into that. So we take would love it. take that out. We We have warehouses all over the world. So we can ship globally. We take care of it for marketers. So they don't have to worry about it. It's trackable. We have incredible insights so you can track it back to the campaigns that you're running. And so this is a game changer, not just for gifting or direct mail as a channel. But when I think about any companies that are doing good account-based marketing, for me, gifting is kind of the cherry on top of a great ABM campaign. Because most ABM is all digital or a Zoom meeting or a virtual event, and the fact that you can provide them with something 3D and tangible makes all the difference. 
And if we're talking about deliver moments that matter, direct mail or gifting is that thing that allows for you to connect to a human being by being thoughtful. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning is that every culture gives gifts. We, we all do. It is part of being a human being. Yeah, I, I think that this is, it's one of my favorite topics. I and mean, I love talking about gifting in general, but it, it's also one of my favorite topics to talk about anything that is remarkable, that makes you talk about something with someone else. That is the point of marketing. You want to remark about it. You know, your spouse goes, where did that chair that's shaped like a banana for our son come from? And you're like, actually, let me tell you, this is the craziest thing. These people are trying to sell to me and knew we had a young son and they knew that I had mentioned on a call that he loves bananas and they sent this banana chair and it's like, you know, our kid loves it. That is a conversation that would have never happened without marketing. And it's something memorable and it's something cool. And like, when you think about like the next generation of, of what gifting looks like, hyper-personalized, hyper-individualized, very cool, very value-add that you'll look back years from now and say, the stuff that we were doing with our marketing dollars back then was like kind of dumb. I mean, we couldn't do it because we didn't have the technology and we didn't have the logistics capacity and all these different things. But at the end of the day, like I think that we're going to look in the future and say like we could have been doing this way better, but now we are. What's the like low hanging fruit that marketers can look at for gifting that they're not doing right now? Revenue teams or customer success people. Is it just about giving people something? What's the, the least effort, most revenue version of this? Uh, the thing that I have been most impressed with is there was a, I got prospected probably a year or two ago and this person had done research on me and sent me a gift with the nicest note. So it didn't come off as being intrusive or, or creepy and that I had been stalked. It was clearly someone that was just good at their job. And so I am a, I'm a huge soccer fan and my favorite team is Manchester United. And this BDR sent me a, basically like a 3D puzzle of the stadium for Manchester United, Old Trafford. And I was so touched by that. And so ordinarily, I delete most prospecting. I never pick up my phone, but I took time to respond to him. And even though I was not going to buy the product, thank him and basically told him what a great job he was doing. And like that's the first thing I thought of when you asked of that. And that all came from a gift of someone just being thoughtful. And the team at Reach Desk does that really well. They will try to be thoughtful. And you can only be thoughtful if you get to know someone or take an interest in them. We are all about making connections. And I keep saying deliver moments that matter. There are no strings attached to that. That's just who we are as a company. If it leads to a connection, great. But if it's just make someone's day, that's, that's what we're going to do. So I think taking the time and effort to get to know someone. In B2B, we often think of a prospect as a company. It's not. It's a human being. Think of them as a human being and, and market to them or get their attention in a way you would another human being, a friend or something. And, and that goes just back to authentic marketing, telling a good story, and tying it all back to your company values. It's funny when you think about this as kind of like a data problem, which is, you know, back in the day, we didn't have CRMs. So we didn't know what was going on with our sales and marketing and all that sort of stuff. But now we do have that stuff and a bunch of information gets dropped in there about, you know, somewhere in someone's CRM, it says, Daniel's a Man U fan. But so, you know, it's somewhere in there. But is that 
is that little piece of information actionable? Or was that just like a smart salesperson who ended up being able to connect the dots really well? Well, what about like the non-savvy salesperson who maybe they have that information in there and they're not able to, to take action on it? And I think that that's part of the thing that's so exciting about gifting is it's actually just as much a data issue and an information gathering and that's what salespeople are supposed to be doing and are supposed to be great at is they are gathering information that you wouldn't be able to know and figuring out ways to do that stuff. And that's what's so exciting for me about as a marketer is like, if we had that information, we could create personalization that matters, but, and deliver moments that matter. I think we're definitely headed there. Yep. And if we you know, we were talking about the early days of gifting and direct mail and it being so laborious. ReachDesk integrates with the CRMs, marketing automation, and then provides insights, reporting to show the success of the campaign in, in pipeline dollars. And so one, I think all companies are going to start viewing gifting in a totally different manner in that you can be kind and generous up front and, and see the results of that. But you'll also be able to see the type of campaigns or approaches that work or don't. And then I think what you'll see behind that, the layers behind that are that it's when you do go the extra mile to, to think about the B2B company as, as a human being and what, what you can tailor to their interests that makes the biggest difference. What have you seen on the platform that people are sending that's working versus what's, what are you seeing that's not working? A couple of things in that through um, e-gift cards, you know, there are options to donate to a charity instead of, you know, getting a Uber Eats card or whatever. And that is incredibly successful and popular, which is so nice to see because it's, it's a testament to all the people that we're doing business with. I think booze remains critical. And I, I'm guessing after two years of a pandemic, that makes total sense. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, bottles of tequila or wine are, are always going to be a, a big hit. What about like, swag from your company or stuff like that is that like hey i don't know you why would i want to wear this t-shirt or is it like hey this is a free t-shirt it's super comfy and like actually i'm gonna wear it because i know we all have a million t-shirts from events that we've gone to and stuff like that that we still wear because we're like actually this shirt is just feels great i've received so much swag and i have so many yeti mugs upstairs yeah in my kitchen from from different companies i've noticed just how willing our customers and partners are in terms of working with us, you know, whether that's a case study or testimonial or what we track a lot is when we do send gifts, a lot of people take photos and post about it. And so I think there is, um, there's, there's a movement happening of gift giving is just the right thing to do. It's the way to go. It's how, how you operate as a, as a good company. And so if you go to the homepage of our website, you'll see some of the, the gifts that are posted from, from customers or prospects or partners that we've sent where people are just so excited to have received something. It's not just the gift of just sending something random. It's the extra step of really getting to, to know someone and thinking about them. Do you have a channel or a tactic that you've done over the years and maybe you're not going to be investing in the future or something that's that's out there that you're seeing and you're saying that's it's a very cuttable budget item. I still have a lot of confusion around events. 
you know, it, it is a traditional model for B2B companies to do either roadshows at various locations across the U.S. or globally, or even investing in a big customer conference. And I'm guessing we will do those, but certainly with COVID, certainly with the emergence of virtual events, which we have an offering to for virtual experiences that ties into gifts as well. It's just a hard thing to, to predict right now of when to really start investing or not. So we're doing a few things this quarter, going to ramp it up again in Q2, but you just don't know what's going to happen in this world. And so that to me is a challenging one. But two years ago, field marketing events were huge. You know, it, and when the pandemic hit initially, I was at Conga and we saw 35, 40% of the, the pipeline disappear because we weren't going to be doing events. So I think ultimately that is going to be a big thing in the future. It's just knowing when to go all in or not. It's a, it's a bit of a gamble. Fascinating. Yeah, it is a bit of a gamble and we don't know. And you could say, well, if that was, you know, if it was doing 30 to 40% then, then what would it do now? And it's like, well, I don't know. We've made it work for the last two years. So do people stay doing business like this yeah. or did we find an edge by not doing that or is, is the edge going back? Yep. Let me know what you find out. Yes. Uh, hey, we're, we're asking everybody. We'll see how it goes. We've yep. heard some good, good, good answers and good approaches on events on the show. Nothing conclusive yet, but it's still so early. But, you know, if you're listening to DGV a year from now, I think we're, we're going to have a lot of the people on that are figuring stuff out that a year from now. Do you have a favorite campaign that you've, you've run so far? I know that you think about campaigns and pipeline and driving leads a little, a little different than perhaps the average, average marketer. I just mentioned customer conferences and I, I love working on those because those become the 3D manifestation of a company's brand. It takes the entire company to put one on. But as a marketer, you have to think about everything. And that is the design of the event, the content of the event, the digital strategy to drive the attendance of the event, the website, so on. Then it goes into the actual ad event experience, the branding of the event, the way you're going to take care of customers and prospects and partners at the event, the, the content that you have to organize, the schedule, the food that you're going to serve, the types of drinks, the, the evening fun that you have to figure out. All of those things come into one thing that lasts you know, sometimes 72 hours and then it's done. But I have loved every aspect of that because it is the biggest challenge for a marketer because you have to think of every single asset channel and it's got to be done in an innovative way because you're, you're always trying to outdo the previous event that you've organized. So I, I just love events in, in that regard because I also love a challenge and they are always a disaster, but it always looks good. Uh, indeed. All right, let's get to our next segment, the dust up. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly as we've got punches and kicks. This is where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales team, your competitors, or anyone else. Daniel, have you had a memorable dust-up in your career? I've had many memorable dusts up. And for a long time, I avoided them, especially younger in my career because... 
as you get older, you just get more comfortable in your own skin and experienced and so on. But for the longest time, my approach was to try and get along with everyone and, and try to get everyone to like me. And I quickly realized that wasn't possible. So there, there's one piece of advice that I that give myself all the time, which sounds a little harsh. It's not meant to be, but it's really helped me. And that is the thing about my job at work is not to be friends with anyone. You know, my job at work is to be the best CMO for the company. And if there are friendships that emerge, that is a wonderful outcome of the job. But when I started to think about it that way, I became a lot less sensitive to what others thought or if they got upset and so on. So I could just focus on the details, the facts, and the fact that I'm hired to deliver results for the company. doesn't mean I don't try to approach everything with kindness and compassion. I am also a very direct communicator, which can sometimes not be well-received, often is well-received. And, you know, pipeline is, is such a big thing to talk about for marketers. And uh, a CMO is often charged with owning all aspects of partners. And so it could be marketing sourced. It could be sales development based on where they sit. It could be AE self-gen. And it could be partner sourced. And so I've had a lot of questions over the years from the CEO, the board, other execs of what's happening with Pipeline. And so I've had to be very direct with other leaders, whether it's a CRO, a head of partners, and so on, to push them on their accountability around that. And as a result, I've formed some, some wonderful relationships with humans in those roles. And as a result, I am probably never going to speak to some of them ever again. And, and that's okay because, again, there are billions of people on this planet. Not everyone's going to like me. But I found that I, I do always try to approach things with kindness and compassion, but also very directly. That tends to work, but sometimes it's just not going to. And I'm always going to advocate for what I think is best for my team and, and for the company, especially when it comes to performing and holding ourselves accountable because I certainly hold marketing accountable for everything. And any marketer will agree with this is that when you work in marketing, everyone in the company thinks they're a marketer. So you're always going to get feedback or ideas or criticism. And that's just part of the job. But if that's the way it's going to be, then I'm also going to call out others if, if I don't feel like they're helping the cause either. Any thoughts on some trends that are coming or things that you're excited about coming up or any stuff from marketing perspective that, that has been on your mind lately? You know, one trend, we talked about events. You know, I think it's going to be a hybrid regardless. So the, the virtual experiences that companies are doing now where it goes beyond the Zoom type event and brings in activities and gifts, I think is we're going to see more of that. And then how that connects to, to in-person events, certainly keep my eye on that. I think that the CMO and, and CRO relationship always been important, but I think at the board level and exec team level, they are starting to see it in a different light. And I think the CMOs and CROs that will join together as, as kind of band of brothers, so to speak, or sisters, it is the way we're going to see more and more organizations operate. I can generate all the pipeline in, in the world, but if sales isn't closing it, we're not successful. Or if we're generating zero, we're not giving sales a chance. So we got to stop 
talking about these two groups like cats and dogs and really talking about them in the same way. And I'm just hearing more and more conversations around that. This is so cliche, but data. It, it is all about data and the insights it can provide you in making decisions and, and driving the right campaigns. And we're getting more and more of it. So I envision the function of what is now known as marketing operations becoming more aligned to like a data scientist type role where we're going to start seeing aspects of marketing become more productized so that we can cope with the amount of data that's coming from our product, website, Zoom infos, Bambor, like on and on and on. Like we've got to be able to use that. I'm guessing most teams are not. Yeah, we have a we have a new podcast coming that's going to be talking all about ops. I love it. Coming up here soon. A little teaser for the audience. All right, let's get into quick hits. These are quick okay. questions and quick answers, just like how quickly you can talk to someone, how a prospect could talk to someone if they're on your website. If you're using Qualified, go to Qualified.com to learn more. Qualified prospects are on your website right now, and you can talk to them quickly with Qualified. Quick and easy, just like these questions. Go to Qualified.com to learn more. Quick hits. Daniel, are you ready? I believe so. <laughs> What is a hidden talent or skill that is not on your resume? I am very much an introvert, which means I observe. I believe I have a very good read on human beings. What is a book or a podcast or TV show that you've recently been checking out and would recommend? TV show, I am on a big South Korean kick right now. So um, I believe the one I'm, the one I'm watching right now is Sisyphus. It's Greek mythology about the man that was... Basically had to push a boulder up a mountain for the rest of his life. And this is a show about time travel and human relationships and technology. And I am captivated by it. I hope I got the name right. Sophis, I think, was a, uh, was a marketer uh, pushing the boulder up the hill <laughs> his whole life. <laughs> well put. Uh, podcast, I'm always a sucker for how I built this. I just love the stories of what entrepreneurs and founders go through to actually get where they where they land. I'm a huge It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan, and so I'm yeah. listening to the It's Always Sunny podcast right now, which is great insight into different shows, different episodes. And then the, the book I always reference, business book is Creativity Inc., which is the story of behind Pixar and their culture of how they drive creativity and innovation. And I was fortunate to read that at an early stage in my career, and it really shaped it. So it's a book I often give, give away as a gift. I love it. I haven't actually read it. Um, so maybe that's got to be on my, on my to-do list here. I think I'm, I know what I'm going to do after this show. <laughs> What's your favorite non-marketing hobby that sort of maybe kind of indirectly makes you a better marketer? I'd say one and a half things. One is that I, I started a newsletter for myself. One, so I could focus on the, just the monthly routine of writing and thinking and gathering content. And some people signed up. So now people actually read it. But the goal was just for me to, to write. And I think Writing is such an important part of being a marketer. And again, it goes back to storytelling. Where, where, where can they find it? Where can the listeners find it? Substack. So it's called Inc. But if you go to, I believe, com or, or one of those, it's on there. 
All right, what advice would you give to a first-time CMO who's trying to figure out their demand gen strategy? Two hires, hire a really good demand gen leader, and then hire a really good marketing operations person. I am not a natural demand gen leader. My love for marketing is a blend of, of revenue, brand, and culture, and that's where I like to live. So I have always had really great demand gen leaders on, on my team that I, I believe I have given them sufficient credit and, and thanks for the work that they do. So hire really well in that area. And then we were talking about data earlier. And if, if you can't make sense of the data today, you're going to miss the mark. So investing in marketing operations is key. Daniel, that's all we got for today. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Obviously, you're hiring. So for our marketers, go check out and there's some open positions. Go to reachdesk.com slash careers to check out some positions. And obviously, if you need a gifting partner, check out reachdesk.com. Anything else? I would say keep an eye on ReachDesk in the next couple of months. We have some really, really exciting things coming out. I love it. Daniel, thanks again. Always great chatting with you. And we'll talk soon. Thanks so much, Ian. The ManGen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at qualified.com conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to qualified.com to learn more.